Duke fans, welcome to episode 242 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. we got a special interview for you today. Uh, head coach John Shire. Sorry. Assistant head coach. Associate head coach? Which is he? Assistant? Assistant. Yes, he's both. He's an associate. He's an assistant. He's the man. <laughs> that dude, John Shire, sat down for the media and answered a bunch of media questions. We're going to bring that to you in just a moment. But before we do, it's introductions time, as always. I am Jason Evans. I'm your host this week coming to you from Hotlanta. It was 81 degrees yesterday. I had a beautiful time outside um, riding my bike around as I try to lose weight during these crazy COVID times. I am joined this week by my pal, Donald Wine. Donald, you're back in D.C., correct? That's correct. It was also around 80, 82 or 83 yesterday for us. But hoodie season is returning next week. I'm very, very glad for that. Yeah, we got so like I said, 80 yesterday. It's going to be mid 70s or so for the next few days here, and then like by next weekend, it's like in the low 60s. <laughs> yeah, we're getting that tomorrow for like a couple of days. We'll get like you know, summer trying to poke her head, you know, through again for one last hurrah, and then hoodie season fully takes over like this time next week. So it's going to be great. Go. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Sam Klein couldn't make it today, but we have someone else joining us instead, so to speak. Uh, it is uh, John Shire, as I mentioned at the top. Um, uh, he conducted a uh, media availability. There were a bunch of members of the media who were there to ask him a lot of different questions, and I was very lucky enough to be one of them. Um, we're going to bring you this interview uh, with John in a, in a few different chunks so we can talk about all the different things that, that he had to say. Um, and, and But we're going to start out with my questions to him. I asked him a little bit uh, you know, about what he's seen so far in practice from from the players on the team. So here's the beginning of uh, John Shire talking to the media and specifically talking to me. Hey, John, thanks a lot for being with us. I, I want to ask about specific players, if I can, just for a moment. We we've heard a lot on some of these calls we've had with um, players on the team that Matthew Hurt has been really impressive offensively. Mark Williams' uh, size and length ha have, have impressed people. I want to know, as a coach, who has surprised you so far which is the guy that you look at and you go, you know, wow, I didn't expect that guy to be able to do this this soon or whatever it may be. Yeah, well, you know, those two things you mentioned, first of all, are, are true. You know, Matthew Hurts been our leading scorer, if not every day, most days. He's been doing it from everywhere. You know, he's played with, uh, you know, an incredibly high level of confidence, which uh, we've talked to him about. It's been great to see Mark Williams has been uh, – protecting the rim at a, at a high level. You know, he's, he's a lob threat at all times. And just seeing the way he's moving has been very good. I'll tell you what, though, Henry, Henry Coleman has done a heck of a job. And I don't know if I'm surprised. I, don't, I, I wouldn't say that, but he's been very impressive with, with what he's done in practice up until this point. You know, he really runs the floor hard. He's a versatile defender. He's got a great attitude. He comes ready every day, great motor, great energy. And he's still, his skill set is, is improving and can get a lot better still. But Henry's uh, been terrific for us so far. And if I can follow up really quick on that, we love to talk about strengths and surprises and the such. What about weaknesses? You, you've seen a lot of Duke teams over the years. What do you think this team needs to work on the most and how do you fix whatever that weakness may be? Well, I, I think with this team, and you know, we're still figuring out our, our lineups and rotations and all of that. But we don't necessarily have a guy we're just going to throw the ball to. You know, and we've had some, you know, you know, Zion Williamson guy or, you know, uh, Marvin Bagley or, you know, even Vernon last year. We're just going to throw it inside. And, you know, most of the time we're going to come away with two points, maybe even three points. And 
You know, Matthew's been a terrific scorer, but he's just scoring in a different way. And so I think understanding it's going to be a different team in that, in that respect. And, and just like, I mean, you watch the NBA playoffs, you watch anything, you need to score together. And we're going to have to do that differently this year without, you know, the, the post presence of just throwing the ball inside. Mark and, and Pat, those guys have been really good. They're probably going to score in a different way uh, and not just throwing the ball to them in the post. So I think that's going to be something, you know, for us to figure out. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a weakness. I think it can be actually a strength because that, that paint can be open for shooting is very good. And uh, just like uh, good old fashioned do basketball, a lot of driving kicks, shoot a lot of threes and, and uh, go get offensive rebounds. So I think that's how we're looking to play this year. Thanks a lot. Jason, I'm glad you were able to ask uh, the question about Matthew Hurt. And, you know, we've talked about him on the other uh, interviews that you have been able to do uh, with Duke basketball with all the players and everyone keeps mentioning his name. Um, I know we were talking about this yesterday uh, when this interview uh, transpired, but Matthew Hurt being the leading scorer every day in practice is intriguing to me because uh, I'm pretty sure he's not just doing threes. He's not just in the paint. He's again, that versatility that we keep talking about him seems to be exuding itself in practice every single day. So uh, I guess when we do our stats game, uh, Matthew Hurd is going to be one we're going to have to consider for quite a few categories, uh, particularly in the scoring column. But also, I, I do. We, we've also talked about Henry Coleman a lot on this podcast, and that was no exception for John Shower either. He mentioned how impressed that he had been. He even said he shouldn't feel impressed, but he was. And I, I get exactly what he means. Henry Coleman is a well-rounded player and, and one that people were thinking, oh, yeah, he's rated a little lower. So you know, he's not going to be as good or, or contribute as much, but the kid looks like he is ready to contribute. And if you've watched uh, any of the interviews with him uh, or any, just, you know, we had him on the, you know, on the show a few weeks ago, the kid is impressive and he's impressing every single day. And I think that is something where if we can get Henry Coleman, Mark Williams, Matthew Hurt, and these guys to contribute uh, at some point in the post and on the wing, every single game, we're going to be a force to stop with, to, to, to reckon with. And I think that versatility that Matthew Hurd is, is something that I'm really looking forward to seeing in full this season. Uh, look, I, I prompted him with the Matthew Hurt and Mark Williams, because again, those are the guys we've heard a lot about so far. And he, he confirmed that stuff. For him to, uh, you know, he's then got a universe of nine other guys. <laughs> I gave him two. And he confirmed everything we've heard about those two. He had nine other guys to pick from to say something about. And he plucked out Henry Coleman. And I think that is significant because, to be honest, if you rank those other guys in terms of expectations of playing time, one through nine, Henry Coleman's probably ninth. But here's John Shire with all the media. And, and you say, hey, who's surprising? And he's like, you can't ignore Henry Coleman. Um, I, I think that's a, a really significant statement. I think it speaks to the fact that we're probably going to have a very deep team this year um, with a lot of guys who can do stuff. And we're going to get into that more. John Shire speaks to that more coming up in our interview. But, uh, I, you know, I just I, I was I was frankly surprised when that, that Henry Coleman was the guy he chose to, to pick out. And, and I think it speaks to confidence. Um, Henry Coleman, as we know, you mentioned very incredibly bright guy. Uh, a guy who reads Henry David Thoreau. We, 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 will, never, we will never cease to be amazed by that and, and love that fact. Um, bright and confident, um, a, a kid who, who, who knows who he is. And, and we heard, you know, Shire mentioned, 
Matthew Hurt struggled last year a little bit with, with finding who he was and having confidence in who he was and what his role was. And, and I think what we heard there from John Shire was that Henry Coleman already has that kind of confidence and it makes a huge, huge difference. I mean, I think we, we think so much about physical ability and skills and the such. There's a mental, a huge mental aspect of all of this. Confidence is a key word. It's one that we heard a lot in this interview with John Shire. And I think it sounds like the coaching staff, and I know we'll talk about what, how they're approaching this team a little bit, but the coaching staff seems like they are approaching the season by giving the guys confidence to say, hey, there may be 11 guys who can contribute this year. But when you step on the court, we want you to know that we have the confidence in you to contribute, to produce. And I think that goes a long way because last year at times, it's not like the coaching staff doesn't give them confidence every season, but when the guys step onto the court, some guys have it and some guys don't. I think right now the early onset is to have the mentality of be confident in yourself, be confident in your teammates. We are confident in this team to succeed. And I think having seen that, I think we're seeing a lot of impressive performances throughout this camp. Yeah, and I want to address... The other thing that I asked John about, which was, uh, you know, what, what's this team's weakness? And he immediately went, and I thought this was fascinating. He immediately went to our post play um, and, and, and pointed out, we, we have had a run. <laughs> I mean, think about the run that we've had with Bagley and Zion and Vernon Carey, um, all three of whom national player, national freshman player of the year, um, and all three of whom like he said, dump the ball in the post and you can turn around and go the other direction because he's scoring right. two points. And, and what a special ability that is. And, and ha, you know, how much easier does that make things for you uh, as a team, you know, working your offense to know we get it to this guy down here in the blocks, forget about it, all finished. And he said, we don't have that this year. And it's such interesting awareness from John and from the coaching staff that, that they need to work things in a very, very different kind of way that it, it's going to take more, like he said, team scoring effort um, and I think more of working the ball around versus being able to just get it into these guys. Yeah. And when it comes to this, I, I feel like we've been bucking the trend for the last three years. Like the way basketball is being played, not just in college, but even in the NBA is trying to shy away from the inside postman, the inside five, who's just going to grab the ball, back you down like Shaq and go to the rim. We've had three of those guys in three successive years do wonderful things for us. And this year, we're kind of getting away from what we've done. And now we're trending towards what a lot of other teams are doing, which is shying away from that, not having a guy in the post that can go down and just dunk it every single possession on command. So it's going to be, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that translates to the rest of the guys, because we clearly have some guys that were on that team last year that were used to dumping the ball into Vernon Carey. Now the guys are going to be, the younger guys below them are going to be looking to them on the wing or the high post to try and make those shots. So the the way that this team evolves is always impressive to me, but it's going to be even more impressive this year as we shy away from something that we've kind of gotten into a groove with the last few years. So I want to move on to the next segment of, of stuff that uh, uh, John Shire spoke about with the media. Uh, you're going to hear the Associated Press's reporter, Aaron Beard. Um, Aaron covers all the, uh, the big four uh, ACC teams from North Carolina. Aaron asks uh, a, a pretty good question to John about uh, coronavirus and, and how the coaching staff is, is dealing with the changes that have come as a result of this pandemic. Hey, John, good to see you again. Um, I'm wondering, you, you've seen the players come in and then now you're at practice. There's been a lot of 
adjustment on the fly with everything that's going on with COVID. How much or how much do you think it puts you behind as a program, you know, trying to get the normal routines done and, you know, the extra time you've got before the season being a little bit later starting, can you make some of that up, I guess, some of that lost time? Yeah, Aaron, it's a great question. I think for us as a staff, we feel like in some ways we're really ahead because we just focused on ourselves and been able to be together as a group for, you know, a couple months now. But on the flip side, you feel like you're, you're, you're behind in a lot of ways. It's all of a sudden we're going to be playing a game in a month. And, uh, you know, there's no count on the craziness in front, in front of fans and no exhibition games that you normally have to get your feet wet. So it's unusual in terms of that. And I think the biggest thing we've tried to do, just control what we can control. And that's been showing up every day. You know, our players have done an amazing job of coming focused, uh, getting the most out of every practice. I know we've done that as a coaching staff. And I think we're going to be a team that uh, – is, is going to develop through the season. You know, of course, you guys have heard it before, but with us, you know, seven of our 11 scholarship players are, are new. And so that's going to be something for our guys. The first game they play in compared to the 20th game or a couple months later, I think we're going to be a, a completely different team. So it's going to be fun to see how we develop and, uh, and progress throughout the year. Thank you. I really like the fact that, that he said it made all of them closer. And I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. And, and I mean, I, I'll admit, I'm spending a lot more time with my wife right now because we can't go out and about as much. We don't go to work. We work from home. Um, and, and, and my bet is that the coaching staff is sort of the same way. They are spending a lot more time together because they know, you know, they're, they're sort of in a bubble with each other. Uh, and they, they, they know that when you go outside that bubble, things aren't as safe. And the result of it is the coaching staff and the team, um, you know, is bonding quicker. At least that's what John said. And I think that's a really interesting aspect of all this. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out during the season. I, I've seen this in the videos that they've posted this summer. Uh, I've seen we've had some really close teams the last few years. We've had some guys that have immediately bonded immediately. Kind of you see that chemistry on the court uh, and off the court. This year, you've seen it gel a lot quicker, as you said, because that's all they've had to do the last few months is just be around each other and get to learn one another. That is going to help immensely during this season. If we can be a team that is gelling with 100% chemistry from day one of the season, and we have a few extra weeks to put it all together, that can only help our team thrive. So next we're going to get to what I think was uh, an interesting question and a great answer. Uh, from Vashtai Hurt of Carolina Blitz. She wanted to ask John how Coach changed over the years. John, of course, has known Coach K, worked with Coach K for more than a decade now. She wanted to hear, okay, what's different about the Coach K of today versus the Coach K when you were a player? Here's Vashtai Hurt, and here's John's answer. Hi, Coach. Uh, thanks for your time. You spoke earlier about guys coming here uh, when you were talking about recruiting to play for Coach K. I was curious how you've seen, you know, college basketball has changed since you were a player and, and how have you seen Coach K kind of evolve as a coach um, from a player perspective and then as a, as a, from a coach's perspective? Well, I could write a book on this one, you know, uh, shorter, shorter practices now than, than when I was a player, uh, not as much yelling at, at the players, you know, and no, I could, I could go on and on, but in all seriousness, he, um, I give coach a lot of credit. You know, he's been, you know, coaching here for over 40 years. And, you know, I can only speak to what I saw firsthand as a player. 
even the style of play that we had, like I mentioned, even the practices in all seriousness, um, the length of the practices, the, the kinds of things we were doing and him adjusting to how players today need to be coached, which is different. And so uh, even the recruiting process, you know, I, I, Coach K and I weren't texting when I was being recruited. Maybe can't remember if I was getting a text from him or not, but it was mainly on the phone. Uh, and so he's even, you know, we're talking about our defense today in a staff meeting, and he's open to doing things he's never done before. And I don't know many Hall of Fame coaches, maybe the best coach ever, who's, you know, thinking about doing something he's never done before. And I think that's a credit to coach and also why he's been so successful for all these years. I love that the very first thing he says is he doesn't yell at the players as much. I'm sure it's because when you're on the receiving end of the yelling, it doesn't feel like you get yelled at as much versus, you know, watching it happen. But anyway, that, that's a great answer by John. And, and basically, a really yeah. I, I know, I know th- this goes against everything, right? But did John Shire kind of say that Coach K is getting softer in his old age? Like, is he is, careful? Is my man, my man mellowing out a little bit. Um, no, I, I thought that was funny too. That again, and it's something that we we see too, where you're just like, oh man, did he used to yell at me like that? I was like, no, it was way worse, way worse. Uh, these kids got it always. <laughs> the kids got it easier now, right? They have the new facilities and they don't get yelled at as much. They don't. He doesn't take the you know chairs out of the locker room or take the nameplates off the off the lockers. So yeah, it, it's kind of funny that he's kind of like, yeah, you know, coaching his old age, kind of mellowing out a little bit. He's he's not as not as harsh as he used to be. And you know, beyond the the funny part of John's answer, um, the the serious thing is. He said that, you know, uh, he's struck by how flexible Coach K is. We just spoke a moment ago about the notion that Duke is not going to be a team that's just going to dump the ball into the post to some guy. We're going to adjust and and play a different kind of offense this year. John said that they're talking about doing things on defense that they've never done before. And Coach K is like, yeah, let's try that. Let's see if that works. I I think Coach K's flexibility, his ability to adapt to the times, whether it be in, in the type of players he recruits, whether it be in the type of offense that he runs or the type of defense that he runs. Look, we've seen Duke play more zone the past few years than they did the previous 30 years. Um, I, it, it's really interesting to me that, that here's John acknowledging that Coach K is so flexible. Most coaches, I feel like, are you know, a very specific type of coach. Jim Beheim plays a very specific type of, of defense. Uh, Bobby Knight, a very specific type of defense. Coach K is willing to do different things, and I think that's, that's the reason he's the GOAT, period, end of the story. Yeah, in another place that he's adapted and John Shire alluded to it was the fact that his communication has evolved. Like he's texting a lot more with players. He's, you know, instead of going to visit homes and stuff and calling them and on the recruiting trail and stuff like that, he's, he's texting them. He's sending emails. He's doing the things he's communicating with the kids in the way that the kids like to be communicating. So even with that, that allows people to know that, Hey, he's not, he's an old coach, but he can, he's, he's learning the new tricks and he's evolving adapting every single team to the personnel that he has, to the personalities that he has and to the skill set that all these guys have. So I've seen that over the last 10 years, even when we're talking about, you know, the one and done era, when we kind of jumped into that full speed, he's taking, you know, all the things that he's learning along the way still and still applying it to teams as they, as they need to, so that every team can be as strong as they possibly can be. So up next, we have a question that everyone wants to talk to the coaches about, which is how deep will this team go? We alluded to this earlier, the notion of there are 11 guys, and it sure feels like there's a case to be made for any one of those 11 guys being a really significant player on this team. 
So Brian Horace of DukeBlogger.com went ahead and asked John the question about depth and, and the lack of disparity that we see in the talent on this team. So the reports coming out about this team is that there's, there's less of a disparity in the talent. There's, there's a lot more um, sort of equalness in the talent. Do you think this team has a chance to have a fairly deep rotation as opposed to some other years? Yeah, uh, Brian, I, I do. And, you know, it's been a year where uh, – I shouldn't even say a year. It's been a couple months so far. But uh, we're in, in the practices, it may be where, you know, D.J. Stewart is the best guard for a couple of days. And it's Jordan Goldwire and Jim Roach and Joey Baker coming on. And, you know, Matthew's been uh, – has been there pretty consistently, but I think it's less about it's less about the inconsistency of our players, and it's more than just we have some really good players, and it's not just three, four, five guys that are standing out. It's you know a, a, a much deeper team in terms of the everyday production and uh, level of their practice, uh, level of their play and practice that uh, that we're seeing. So again, we still have some time here for for guys to separate themselves. But uh, the way we talk as a staff, uh, we feel like we can have a deep team. We feel like we do have a bench, well, some, some pop, some scoring power, no matter what, coming off the bench. So we're excited about that. I don't think we need to talk too much about this one, Donald. John said it there. This is a team, you know, they don't know which guy is going to be great. Like he said, DJ Stewart's the best guard one day and, and Wendell Moore's the best guard the next day. And you have no idea what's happening next. Yeah. I think the only constant that we've heard from John Shire is that Matthew Hurt is leading the, is the leading scorer in practice just about every day. Other than that, it seems like he even said it, there's nobody separating themselves. That's not necessarily a bad thing for this team. That's just telling us how deep this team can really go. All right, so we're going to wrap things up with John Shire here by hearing about some specific players. Um, some of the reporters asked about some of the guys on the team and how they're specifically doing. You're about to hear Jim Sumner of the Duke Basketball Report. Our buddy Jim asked about uh, Joey Baker. Brian McLawhorn of Devils Illustrated asked about Matthew Hurt. We want to hear more about Matthew Hurt. And lastly, Brendan Marks of The Athletic wants to hear about Jalen Johnson, a guy who we haven't heard a lot about. So here are their questions and John's answers about those three specific Duke players. I want to ask you about, you mentioned Joey Becker. I want to ask you about, about Joey. What are you seeing from him in practice? Is he ready to take that step and bring a three-point shooting specialist to an all-around player? Yeah, Joey, you know, Joey, uh, if you ask anybody in our program, players, coaches, managers, whoever it may be, uh, they're going to rave about Joey. You know, he's as hard of a worker as we have on the team. You know, he's the guy who's always – you know, if he's not the first one in practice, he's definitely going to be the last one. And uh, he, he has more to his game. You know, I think, you know, Joey's the guy. Basically, all we have to tell him is, you know, just relax. It's going to happen because he wants it so badly. And you love to coach a guy like that. And, you know, like you said, he's been working hard this summer on being able to attack closeouts and put the ball on the floor and be a decision maker. Like when he's under control and gets in the paint, he can be a very good pass. In, in, in uh playmaker for us. So, uh, and, and not to mention, he's even a quicker shooter, uh, you know, gets his shots off a variety of ways. He has seven threes the other day in practice. And so uh, I, I didn't want to just skip over that part because end of the day, making shots is a heck of a skill to have, you know, especially for Joey. Hey, John, I appreciate you being here. Um, I wanted to go back to Matt Hurt. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, like you mentioned, about his um, improvements, his the weight he's gained and all of that. But I'm curious, 
how it's impacted his mental approach uh, to the game, all the work that he put in in the offseason, and, and just how, how it's changed his thought process. Well, Matthew came back, and you can just see a difference with him. You know, like you mentioned, Brian, his, his body looked great. You know, he gained weight. Uh, you know, he was able to get in, get in the gym throughout the entire pandemic, which is hard to do, as you know. And uh, But the main thing for him was his mentality and, you know, him uh, translating how good he knew he could be to, to, to just showing it with his play. And he's come back, and he's done it every day. He's always been incredibly coachable. Um, he's always been a hard worker. I think it's part, you know, one, he's gotten stronger, but he's also gotten more athletic. You know, he's, you know, doing conditioning that he maybe didn't do last year all the time. He's getting in on zone with Coach Will Stevens, our strength coach, and all those things show up in his play. But it's, it's the mentality that's been so exciting for us to see. And, uh, you know, he even, you know, something we didn't even see watching him in high school, like he'll, he'll score and he'll talk smack. And, and, you know, doing some of that is uh, we like to see with him. You know, didn't necessarily see that all the time last year, but I think that's part of uh, just the transformation, you know, from getting a taste of it last year to now knowing what to expect and what he needs to bring every day. So it's been exciting to see. You know, we, we've talked a lot about some of the different freshmen and DJ's shooting ability and Mark is a love threat. You mentioned Henry, but, um, you know, I know Jalen had a little bit of an interrupted senior season. You had told me that he's special in transition, and I think some of his teammates have sort of echoed that thought. But what else about him stands out, and what sort of player do you envision him him sort of filling? What role do you envision him filling for this team? Well, I, I think Jalen, I mean, there's no question he's got the ability and the talent. And I think Jalen's just figuring it out, you know, because he can do so many things. Brendan, to answer your question, it's not like he's, you know, exactly a, a four or a three right. or a five. You know, so I think his thing is just figuring out what are my, what's my core? You know, what, what's my base in terms of college? You know, what are my go-tos? And he's refining that. And, you know, he's, he's working on it, working on it every day, um, particularly in the half court. You know, that's something for him to work on. And he's going to be a guy that can play everywhere for us, really. But I think we need to just help him find out, all right, what's your base? And let's go from here. Uh, but it's, it's been fun to work with. He's been doing a really good job. His passing is special. I mean, his, he, he really, you know, I mean, if you're Joey or DJ or whoever, you like being on his team because he's going to find you. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, Jason, I think the, the last question is kind of the more poignant one because it talks I about agree. the yeah. most heralded player on this freshman in this freshman class and Jalen Johnson. And really the fact that he doesn't really fit into a role. So he has to kind of find out what that base is for him. What, what is, what is the base? Now we can use that to work towards the ceiling. And I think the fact that John Shire says that he has the ability to do so many things, they have to figure out what it is that he's the best at where, where can he be in the best position on the floor to make an impact on every single game. And they're going to figure that out during camp. So I think that's a, that was an interesting thing to see. We've seen, you know, during these videos, we've seen a little bit of him, but we haven't seen a lot of uh, video on, you know, what he can do. But it sounds like from everyone talking and, and can't and, you know, from this camp and from this preseason, he can do just about anything you wanted to do. Now it's about what can he be the best at so that you can figure out 
how all these pieces fit together in the puzzle. Yeah, I think he's going to be a little bit of a Swiss Army knife for this team, do a lot of different things really, really well. The, the one thing that John spoke about was his passing. His passing is special. I think having another guy like that, especially on a team like this where we've talked about this the whole time, where it's not going to be focused on one guy's scoring, one guy scoring in the post. You're, you're going to want to be able to move the ball around a lot. You're going to want to find the hot hand. You're going to want to be able to attack teams in a lot of different ways because that's what this Duke team is going to be good at, having a guy like Jalen Johnson who can really move the ball around um, – and find unique angles and the such like that, put the defense in compromising positions is going to be really, really valuable and useful for us. Yeah. And the other thing about that last segment that you, uh, that you posted, and again, thank you to Duke basketball for allowing us to have this opportunity to, to talk with John Shire and allowing Jason to be on that call. When he was mentioning is this was towards the beginning of the interview, when he was talking about Joey Baker, the fact that he's a great decision maker, Last year, when we kind of lost the plot for a couple of games, it was because we weren't taking care of the basketball. We, we had some games where we were very good with taking care of the basketball. We had very few turnovers. And then when we had bad games, it was because we kept giving the ball back to the other team. We talk about it in football all the time, but in basketball, that can really kill you because that's a lot of points. If we're going to have people down the stretch, it sounds like if, it, if the season started today, Joey Baker would be one of those five guys on the court if only for his decision-making ability that he's been showing thus far in the preseason is going to be something that we need to have a lot of uh, as these freshmen kind of go, you know, get into the motions a bit with the season, we're going to need to rely on the upperclassmen to be those guys that can take care of the basketball. And it sounds like Joey Baker is the guy that's leading the pack. So again, like Donald said, I want to thank Duke basketball, the Duke PR department, um, communications department for for putting the coaches out there and the players out there. We've been getting player interviews every week. We're now starting to get some coaching interviews. Here's a tease for you folks. Coming up next week, they're making Coach K available to us. I, I will hopefully be on that uh, call as well. And as soon as it happens, we will we will do a podcast. We'll present you with some Coach K sound. But until then, you're going to have to survive on John Shire. Great insight from him. Really interesting stuff. We're going to have to take a break right now, though. But when we come back from the break, the schedule, it appears, is finished. We're going to break down exactly who Duke will be playing in the non-conference season coming up after this short message. All right, folks, so uh, as we teased right before we went to uh, take a quick commercial break, we now know the uh, Blue Devils' non-conference schedule, uh, unless they do something crazy, uh, and it's possible. Look, in these COVID times, you never know who's going who's gonna to throw a curve at you, but for the moment, it appears that the non-conference schedule is set. Here it is. The new game that has been added, um, I think I mentioned that I thought Thanksgiving weekend was an opening where Duke could add a game. And we have, in fact, added a game on 1128 um, against Coppin State. They'll be coming to Duke. The, the schedule now is uh, we play on November 25th against Gardner Webb. We then have Coppin State three days later. Um, both of those games to be at Duke. On December 1st, we will go to Orlando to play Michigan State in the Champions Classic. A few days later, we, uh, we're back at Duke for, uh, for Elon and Bellarmine. Um, after that, we have the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We don't know who we will be playing there. And it'll all wrap up on December 12th uh, with Charleston Southern coming to play at Duke. Donald, um, so uh, aside from the Champions Classic, where we always play one of Michigan State, Kansas, or Kentucky, this year's Michigan State, aside from the ACC Big Ten Challenge, where we'll definitely be playing a good Big Ten team, this is 
this is five cupcakes. Let's be honest. It's, it's not, it's, it's not Duke biting off a lot. Uh, what, what, what's your take on Gardner Webb, Coppin State, Elon, Bellarmine, and Charleston Southern? Look, I, I think when it comes to the schedule, I feel like the fact that the schedule was shortened and they've taken out some games means that we weren't in. I mean, keep in mind, we were going to be in the Battle of Atlantis. That was going to be three games, at least two of which were going to be against Power Five schools. So that has been removed from our schedule. So if you think about the schedule as what it would have been, we just took that mid middle or I'm sorry, that multi-team event out and we're left with what we would consider cupcakes. And I think I'm okay with it, I guess. Uh, It's it's not surprising to me that we were going to do that. Uh, I was kind of surprised that in, you know, in this social justice kind of event that we were setting up at Duke, that instead of uh, Elon and Bellarmine, we, I thought we were going to get Howard. I, you know, we've d- discussed that quite a bit. That would have been a great matchup for us uh, and just a great, you know, storyline, I think, but uh, I'm okay with it. If, if it means that we can use this to kind of get ready for the ACC season, because that's going to be long is going to be grueling. And, I think because of the way uh, this coronavirus is going, we have no idea what to expect in ACC season uh, with regards to how the schedule plays out. So I think if we can get these games under our belt, you know, it's, it's fine for me. But, you know, Coppin State, I will say, is a name at least that is it's, it's one of the lesser tiers, but it's a name that people have heard of. If you've ever watched the NCAA tournament, people have heard the name Coppin State. They're right from up the street here in Baltimore. So uh, I at least they have a local team in the mix. That's all I got for that. Yeah, so uh, I'll speak to that. And I I understand the, the, the non-conference schedule is not as, as big as it has been in past years. Uh, in the past, I think we played up to 11 non-conference games. This year, we're playing only seven. We're still going to be playing 20 ACC games. So Duke's schedule is still going to be very difficult. 20 ACC games means you're going to play – 20 power five teams right there. Um, So there's no question that Duke's schedule is still going to be very difficult in the grand scheme of things. And I think that, you know, coach K went for these sort of lesser opponents because he, he has a young team. He has a team where he's, uh, you know, you heard from John Shire. They're not sure what the rotations are. They're not sure who's going to fit with who, and they want time to figure that kind of stuff out. And so that's why I think he's scheduled the way he has. I'll tell you that my my biggest criticism of this is not that we're playing lower tier teams. It's, it's that we're playing really lower tier teams. I want you to think back to last year. Last year, our non-conference schedule included these five teams, Georgia State, Stephen F. Austin, Wofford, Winthrop, and Colorado State. Those five teams were all ranked in the top 150 teams in the land, the top half of the nation in um, in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, Colorado State was number 99. Stephen F. Austin, Stephen Austin was was 100. Georgia State was 126. Winthrop was 140. Wofford was 154. Those five teams were all in the top half of college basketball. Our cupcakes this year, not good. Gardner Webb is the best of them. Last year they were 218th. After that, you have Elon at 277, and then Coppin State. And Charleston Southern were both in the three hundreds. That that puts you in the bottom, you know, ten percent or so of of teams. And Bellarmine is brand new to Division One. We don't even know what they're going to be. Um, probably not that good. I mean, they were a good, whatever Division Two team, but that's a big leap from Division Two up to Division One. So 
it's not just that we picked teams from small conferences that you know Duke is going to beat. We didn't even pick like sort of the better tier of those teams. And in that regard, I'm a little disappointed. And I think it'll probably be reflected in Duke's strength of schedule rankings, you know, when the NCAA and other folks are trying to figure out the net and all these other rankings. Duke's Duke's could be better. In past years, it has been better than it'll be this year. I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind. One, in previous years, we, as we've mentioned before, we would have a couple of preseason warm-up games, exhibition games that don't count where we play the D2 teams. And that way, absolutely, You're our, definitely strength, right. our, our actual schedule can feature some of those higher mid-level teams, or mid-major teams, I should say. The other instance is that we also are operating in the blind here because for the most part, we don't know what everyone else is doing either. They could also be scheduling stuff. Virginia Tech, just think about if our if our if our schedule is this bad, Virginia Tech is probably playing Division three schools. Uh, so I mean, you have those sort of things, right? But, and Syracuse, Virginia Tech and Syracuse. Oh yeah, have. yeah, they're gonna be like NC State. Also, remember last year, NC State had the worst schedule in the land for a long time. For a long in the time, Pomeroy rankings. Yeah, yeah, they were just terrible. They were playing teams that were just like it was like guys from you know Lifetime Fitness that were like, yo, you got five, cool. We're, Come, come run us a cardinal. <laughs> come run us down to the stadium. So, like, we're, so I'm not es- essentially worried about how we track compared to other teams because we just don't know where other teams are going to do. And it's quite clear that some of these teams may not even participate in a non-conference schedule. So, the the metrics of this is how do you, how are some of these teams going to be compared against each other? Kim Pomeroy, like. God bless you, man, because you have your work cut out for you this year with some right. teams that could only be playing 13 or 14 games and some of us who are playing a full a full schedule. I say that in air quotes. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I think you're right. I think there's so much uncertainty about this season that Coach K is like, look, let's let's take games where we can figure it out before we get into this 20 game ACC schedule. And, and let's be, let's be clear. That's what the decision, that's what the season's going to be built upon. That's, that's how you're going to figure out who's good and who's not. Is in, the absence, do, yeah. in the absence of a non-conference schedule that is, you know, across robust, the board, yeah. robust yeah. or not even robust, just like a non-conference season. That's not going to be, is going to be erratic. Some teams are playing less than others. The conferences are what's really going to be the meat of the weight that the NCAA committee is going to have to consider because everyone's playing their conference season. Not everyone is playing a full non-conference schedule. Exactly, exactly. All right, we're going to wrap things up here. Donald, I know there's something you wanted to talk about. A great story of success for a former Blue Devil. We, we just had to highlight this. Go for it, Donald. Tell folks what we're talking about. Yeah, so late, I guess late this week, uh, Coach K does some of these updates uh, on the team present and also some of the uh, former members of the brotherhood. And this week he touched on one that I think is, we have to mention because it's incredible. Uh, everyone has heard about Marshall Plumlee MP3. You know, he was in, uh, he, he graduated, he ended up going into the army and he was in ROTC. He's, he signed up during school. Uh, I think it was a few years ago when he was a, a sophomore or junior where they actually swore him into ROTC in Cameron in front of his team, which uh, it was also one of these things. If you can go back and, and find that clip, it's amazing. But also, he didn't stop at just going into the Army. No, seven foot, one inch, Marshall Plumlee decided he was going to be an Army Ranger. And I think that in itself is one of the elite. He, he wants to be one of the elite. Well, he went to Army school, Army Ranger school, and he graduated. But he didn't even stop there. He went to the third 
Battalion Regiment, 3rd Ranger Regiment at Fort Benning, which is one of the special forces ops. So my man 7-1 is going to be doing, you know, crawling into some nook and crannies and doing some stuff that should not be mentioned on this podcast. This man is going <laughs> into the deep. But just, you know, if you go back to the clip that Duke Basketball posted, Coach K just, it, you could see how proud he is of Marshall Plumley. You know, Amen. of course, of course, he's an Army grad, but I don't think that's what, you know, I think that's what gives him the bond, but it's not what it stops at. Like he, he considers him one of his favorite athletes ever. And it's because of the work that he did on the court, the work that he, he gave for Duke university, and now the service that he's giving to the country. So I wanted to shout out Marshall Plumley MP3, wherever you are, salute to you. Uh, thank you for your service. And really just congratulations on the trajectory that you've done. You have proven that you can do anything you can put your mind to. And I, you haven't made just Coach K proud. You've made all of us proud. Uh, I beautifully stated, Donald. I completely agree with every word you spoke. And I just want everyone out there to know, I have reached out to the U.S. Army um, press relations, media relations folks. I am dying to get an interview with MP3. We would love to talk to him about what he's been going through, uh, what it's like being a, a special forces ranger. I mean, oh my God, that is like insane. Um, and and he's just a fascinating, amazing person. Um, absolute hat tip to him. He he is he's serving all of us uh, admirably and and with courage. We can't thank him enough for his service, and we could not be more proud of what he's accomplished. Um, you know, we mostly talk about the the Blue Devils who make it in the NBA. This is a guy who's making it as a soldier in a very, very, very big way. So thanks a lot, Marshall. And, and I'm so glad that Coach K and Duke chose to highlight um, Marshall's accomplishments um, and, and just show us, you know, what a special young man he is. That's going to do it for us here on episode 242 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Sam, sorry you couldn't make it. Sam will be back with us in just a few days. We will be back. We'll have more interviews with players. We will have, hopefully, an interview with Coach K. How about that, folks? Um, but until then, I am Jason. He is Donald. And this is the Duke Band to play us out and take us home.